Hi, and welcome to BOSS, a research podcast by CBS Sustainability. My name is Sarah. I'm Center Manager at Copenhagen Business School, and I'm the host of this podcast. The name BOSS stands for the Business of Society, which is kind of a guiding principle for the work that we do. As the name suggests, we're interested in how business and society interrelate and what business responsibilities are towards society. In this podcast, we will share, discuss and reflect on CSR and sustainability-related issues through conversations with researchers and practitioners. Featuring our colleagues, we aim to inspire you to reflect and take part in the discussion on how to transition towards more sustainable practices for organizations and government, and for you and me. Meet Torres Biatmas, PhD at the CPS Sustainability Center. Welcome, Torres. Thank you very much. It's so wonderful to see you here in person in my mini studio in, in my office. Thank you very much for the invite. It was very surprising, but very pleasant. It's part of our new approach to give more space and more voice to our PhD students. And this is only the second interview in this new series. So you're still kind of one of our test bunnies, if we want to call it as such. So I'm very excited and very pleased that you um, very spontaneously said, said yes to join me. So, Tord is thinking back, you've been at CBS for quite some time in a number of different capacities before you joined CBS Sustainability as a PhD. Could you tell us a little bit about um, how you ended up, if we want to frame it as such, ended up at CBS Sustainability? Yes, of course. Um, it actually started when I was doing my master thesis at CBS. I was working with Yeristine Knudsen. She was my supervisor and uh, and. That process kind of got me interested in the research process. So um, she helped me after I graduated to get an internship at CBS, where I then worked for different, both for Jeristin Knudsen and Andreas Rasje, but also for um, Evenke when she was here. And then I ended up working for Aspen Pilsen as a research assistant. I was here for almost a year and doing different types of projects, mostly working on sustainable fashion, which was not at all my, my interest in that sense. But the process of the research was extremely interesting. And um, that actually kind of happened that I, I didn't manage to get a PhD from there, but I worked started to work on different, different companies in the private sector on sustainability, uh, uh, communication, and, and consulting. But I always stayed in touch with, uh, with Aspen and Yedisin Knudsen, And my thought was always to come back and do some kind of a research. Um, my th initial thought was doing sustainable fishing because I come from Iceland. And I still find that super fascinating. But the work I did with Aspen was always more related to the processes and integration of sustainability. And then in 2020, I think it was, or 21, he decided to do um, a big uh, application for funding and From there, we kind of discussed if there would be possibility to come in with a PhD idea. And I pitched in this idea about looking at organizational boundaries and business models, because business models do form some kind of a boundaries, and then see if there's some kind of tensions there in driving sustainability forward. That was successful. So um, th that's how kind of I ended up at CBS Sustainability. <laughs> 
you um, you already briefly touched upon the the topic of your PhD, focusing on um, business models and organizational boundaries. Could you elaborate a little more on what your PhD actually is about then? Yes. Well, it's still early days in that sense. It's eight months in. But the idea is to look at the banking sector. I'm uh, doing a case study with, at the moment, four cases, hopefully one or two more, where I, I go in and ask about the processes of sustainability implementation challenges and, and so on, and try to identify what type of tensions and silos are we seeing in the banking sector? Why are they there? Are they banks facing the same type of challenges? What are those challenges? Are they different depending on the sizes of the banks? What is it that is kind of hindering banks to really push forward the sustainability agenda? They claim that they are doing quite well, and many of them are, but you always hear the scandals coming up regularly. For me, there is some kind of a mismatch going on that I want to see if organizational boundaries kind of can answer some some of this mismatch. And then how can they bring that kind of release those tension, or at least if we can't release them, learn to work with them so we can come on a better side of a, of a business model towards more sustainability. You've been extremely busy lately doing a lot of interviews, um, especially with uh, with the different case companies that, uh, that you're using for your PhD. When researching tensions, it can be extremely interesting, but also very, very difficult because you're touching on very sensitive ground. And um, especially when doing qualitative interviews, we have to be aware that very often our, our interview partners um, can feel placed in a, a defensive position. So tell me a little bit about your experience with your interviews. How is it going? This is my kind of first time doing interviews, so I don't have anything to kind of uh, compare it to. But my, my gut feeling is that it's going well. Yes, there are some difficult questions, but I also think... The cases that I have been interviewing so far were the ones that said, yes, right away, we want to work with you because they're so they're interested to really learn what is going on. So I feel most of my interviewees have been quite honest, but I also feel a lot of them have tried to not go into too deep. So I really need to kind of, okay, how can I follow up on this question in a professional manner, but still try to get to the, to the nitty gritty? And that's still what I'm, I'm still learning to do that, but I still feel I get some kind of a hint at least where the tension is, or you can see it in the body language and like they're not feeling comfortable. So what, why is that? But yeah, I think overall, I think it's going well, but I think also I need to be more, maybe a little bit more uh, invasive in a, in a, <laughs> in a, in a nice manner because I'm, I feel still there might be something that I'm missing. Yeah. And I think that this is definitely also um a learning or, or an element that is that is super important for for PhDs and also for aspiring PhDs that that when when going about your qualitative interviews that there's a steep learning curve, right? I agree. Very much. And like I said, I had hadn't really done any interviews or or like I've only read about them and that you are reading about something and then actually doing it is a completely different thing. But I think I tried to um, ask my supervisors and, and others what they've been doing and got help on the questions, um, how to phrase them and, and really try to kind of angle them in a way so I will get the best out of them. 
but again it is a learning process and i mean i'm still working on like for next interviews i'm i'm still fine-tuning the questions so it's it is definitely a very steep learning curve and i can tell you for my first like really first interview i was so nervous <laughs> that I, I yeah i almost also because there was i had to go uh with the train to the to the interview place and it was 40 minutes late <laughs> So I came running in, like almost sweating and so stressed. And then just, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I don't know where to start. So it was, a, it was a weird first experience. But I think it also just made the, the rest of the process easy. We have a saying in Icelandic, uh, which means that if you fall in the start of a journey, the rest of the journey only gets better. Yeah. So I, I try to take that hat on with everything <laughs> in that sense. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a very good good attitude to have because um, on the PhD journey, there are so many bumps on the There's way, so right? so many bumps on the way. Uh, but it also makes it a learning process because we are we are learning. We are learning to do the research, to, to write, to work with others. So it is absolutely a, a bumpy road. Yeah. In um as part of your journey or so far as as far as you have come on your journey yet was there anything that that really surprised you or puzzled you that even though you've been operating in this in this academic context for some time was there anything that you simply didn't anticipate? Yeah. Well, like you said, I've been working at CBS uh, for five years before I joined uh, the PhD uh, school and as an administrative site And I really thought I knew all the processes and I, I I was mentally prepared for what I was stepping into as a PhD student, I thought. And to a large extent, I was. And I think having this administrative background has really helped me, actually, in kind of managing my time and and uh, finding ways to like find solutions to my issues. But what really surprised me is that it is very it, i knew it was an independent work but it you are so alone in everything both learning to do the research you have your supervisor but you have to know what questions you need to ask and you don't always know those questions so you're sitting there where, where am i going what do, what do i need to do now and the same thing with administration like as as a phd you're kind of responsible for all the admin around your phd and for that side kind of surprised me most is that where do you find this information people have of course you have some network and i think here at msc it is really strong but there's still some people that are like you get different information depends on who you're asking and there's no really an overall like go here to find the information and i think that for me was the the weirdest part is that It's still very uh, fragmented after all this time. There, you still Everyone has to go through the same processes, do the same things, but there's no one database with this you have to do for this and this and this and this. So I'm asking for like, just for example, for research day, what documentation do I need to have? And I've gotten various answers uh, depending on who I ask. And that for me was very surprising. Yeah, I can I can absolutely imagine. And as you say, like even though you've been around for quite some time, there are so many things that you will learn on the way and that you will learn depending on who you talk to. So it's absolutely it's it's a, a journey on many levels, right? It's it's really it's uh, both the actual PhD but also the finding your way around in an organization. There are many many learning curves uh, that you can climb and and fall on, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Definitely. 
thinking about um, your experience as a as a PhD and what we just talked about the the bumps on the on the road, when you think about new or aspiring PhDs, if you should give one recommendation, like um, if if you take care of this or if you consider this, this will really be crucial or help you a lot. What would your number one advice be? I think for me, what worked really well is that I used the research planner. I think I. I used it a bit different than a lot of new PhD students because I used it really as a planning tool. Uh, so really get an overview of what I have to do o over the three years, not just like hurry up and, and fill it in. And I think for me that really, I, I mean, for me, I think it gave me such an, a, an overview of this like enormous task that we are supposed to, to, uh, to work on over three years with kind of no deadline except in three years. And it helped me set some smaller deadlines. And I think I would recommend any new PhD student to use the research planner or anything in that sense to get this overview of what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it because time flies so fast. I feel like I started yesterday. And I've already, like, I'm already here eight months. And I, I really feel like this, like, structured organizing in the start. It, I think it really pushed me in a, a I mean, it's, I'm not going to say gentle <laughs> manner, but it helped me kind of accept the bumps and, and not fall as hard on the bumps that were coming on my way because I, I kind of knew some of them. And I, I would kind of really recommend this kind of a, a, a structured organizing in, in the start. So, Tordis, what are your next steps then? Because now you've already talked about your plan, so you must have some uh, some next steps very clearly lined out in your plan. So what's next for you? Oh, yeah. So basically, I will do a research day in January uh, combined with a, a, a fieldwork. So I will be do some data uh, collection in Iceland. Um, and then I have intense teaching February and March. So uh, that's my my kind of big chunks of milestones. And my whip. I'm planning on doing my whip in, in March. Then I've been here for a year. And for, for the non-academics, what's a whip? Working progress uh, seminar where I kind of basically need to show, okay, what have I done over the past year? Where am I in the PhD process? And what are my goals for the for the rest of the PhD? And then I get some discussion to, to give, my some, give me some feedback and, and inspirations and criticism, because that's also part of it, um, to to have a better journey and, and actually manage to do all the things that I planned. So I'm really much looking forward to, the, forward to that. I just need the dates of the, the teaching so I can <laughs> plan it in, in advance. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's the three biggest milestones for me coming yeah. up. So you can plot that in your planner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Sounds great. Tordis, thank you so much for for taking your time to, to talk to me today. Thank you. And um, I wish you all the best on your PhD journey. And I'm counting on that your Icelandic saying that I can't repeat in Icelandic, um, that you've already taken the um, the hardest fall in, in the beginning and now it'll be all smooth. Smoother sailing. Smoother sailing from from here on. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm hoping so as well. Yeah. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, it was it was really lovely and not so horrible as I thought it would be. Well, well, that's that's good. I'll I'll use that as my sales pitch. Uh, reaching out to to the next one, saying like it, it's well, so it's hor not so horrible as you might expect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of BOSS. Are you interested in learning more about our work? Then check out our website or follow our BOSS blog. The music featured in this podcast is by Crowender.